Brother Ballestero, God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you being here, you and your wife. Amen. Obey the Holy Ghost. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, why don't you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God, we praise your name. Praise the Lord, everyone. I greet you in the name of Jesus, which is still the only name under heaven given among men whereby you... Oh, we can do better than that. Whereby you... Be saved. That's what Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12 said. Anybody ever hear, anybody here ever been baptized in Jesus' name? Ooh, Lord. Let me tell you the, the most wonderful feeling you have ever felt in your life will have been when you repent of your sins. It feels so good. You think that's, well, actually, it feels so good. Some churches think that's all there is to salvation. But you just wait till you get baptized in Jesus' name and get those sins washed away. Lord, you talk about waking up the next morning feeling clean down deep in your gizzard. Just, and if you think that's wonderful, just wait till you get this Holy Ghost. There's no words to describe how wonderful the Holy Ghost is. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? My Lord Jesus. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. It's certainly a treat and an honor to be here with Sister Honey and be here with y'all. Have y'all seen my wife over? Ain't she a darling? Lord, she's so sweet. Love that girl. And she's just wild about me. I consider it an honor to uh, get to be here with Brother and Sister Holmes and... Uh, their fine son, Brother Nathan Holmes, and his precious family. I like the set of this young man's sale. And as Brother Louis Lamore would say, I, when I look at the Holmes, I just love every stitch of hide on them. They, they'll do. I hope to God you appreciate what kind of pastoral leadership you've had right here in this church and will continue to have should the Lord tarry. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And not only are you blessed to have a wonderful man of God in your life, life like Brother Joel Holmes, but his precious wife. And, oh, I thank God for her. Yes, amen. And you've got the queen mothers here. England calls them the queen mums. You got the queen and you got the queen moms. You got uh, queen, the queen mother Holmes and the queen mother Burr here. Y'all are just so blessed to have you here. Amen. Brother Townley, it's good to be here with you too. Uh, I, we have just enjoyed the fellowship. Y'all are so kind and make all of your guests feel welcome. Y'all are so nice. Lord, I hope you appreciate what a good thing you got happening right here. You got wonderful preaching, music, singing. You, you, you got it going on here. This is good stuff. I like it. I know most of you don't know me very well anyway. Uh, so let me introduce myself and tell you that if I do good tonight, my name is Martin Ballestero. If I don't do very good, my name is Lee Stone King. And you... <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry for that. My daughter, I, I love being a pawpaw. Uh, I never thought I'd be called pawpaw, but you'd just be glad to call, be called whatever they call you. We have 11 grandchildren, and uh, the factories haven't shut down yet, so no telling how many is going to be happening before we get out of this life, should the Lord tarry. But my daughter has a, her oldest son is his name is Garrison and he's I think just turned six. But he uh, last year cut all went down the basement and got a scissors and cut all all of his hair off without the aid or the benefit of a mirror. Just went to Wax City and just cut it all off. 
And he came upstairs. He was so proud of himself having given his own self a haircut that he had just had to tell my daughter. said, look, Mommy, I cut my hair. And she said, oh, oh, Garrison, look at you. He said, what? And she picked him up where he could look in the mirror. He said, oh, Mama, I, I look like a five-year-old pawpaw. <laughs> I don't see the humor in it myself, but... <laughs> My father always told me that it takes two things to be saved. And he quoted Paul's epistle, or Paul's letter rather, to the church at Rome, where Paul commended them for having received from the heart that form of doctrine that had been delivered unto them. And dad told me, he said, it takes two things to be saved, son, the right kind of doctrine and the right kind of heart. He told me, see, uh, my, father's, my father's grandpa came, his grandpa and grandma, one came from Madrid, the other came from Barcelona, Spain. And, he, and then on his mother's side, his, their people came from Ireland. And... Uh, my father grew up in a Catholic home because when you're from Spain and Ireland, your, your religion is pretty much predetermined for you before you're ever born. And he told me stories of his family members crawling on their knees, going to church on Sunday morning, praying the rosary. And they would come home with holes in their pants and their dresses all torn and their knees bloodied. He said, they had the right kind of heart. All they needed was the right kind of doctrine. And what bothers me, ladies and gentlemen, is that we have the right kind of doctrine. All you and I need is the right kind of heart. I want to have a heart that stays in love with the Word of God. Oh, come on now. Somebody praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I uh, want to read a passage of scripture found in the book of Acts. Capitulo dos. Sometimes I lapse into my native tongue. Chapter 2. And I want to read beginning with verse number 13. The brother read tonight starting with verse number 14. Well, why don't I just go ahead and be nice and start with verse 12, give you two extra scriptures to get a run at it. And they were all amazed, the Bible said, and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter standing up with the 11, you see, Matthew, who wrote Matthew 28, 19, was standing right there beside him. And if he had messed up on doctrine, he was there. He could have pulled his coattail. Lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day or nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And everyone said, Amen. In conjunction with that, I would like to remind you that Paul in his epistle to the church at Ephesus, chapter 5 and verse 18, he makes this notation. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. Paul is saying it's possible to have too much wine. But be filled, everybody say filled, with the Spirit. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible uses a thing called wine to make an illustration, a comparison, if you will, to enlighten our understanding about what the Holy Ghost is supposed to be like. 
It was using wine as a symbol of that which can take complete control over every aspect of your body. Where you don't talk like you used to talk. You don't walk like you used to walk. You don't act like you used to act when you get under the influence of wine. And I want to tell somebody in the house that when you get this Holy Ghost, it makes a complete change in your life. You're no longer the same person when you get under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, I want everybody to know that what it says right there, that, my friend, is the plan of salvation. If you want to be saved, you have to repent. Don't think you can get anywhere with God without first repenting of your sins. Peter preached that on the day of Pentecost. When he got done preaching, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you. How, how many Southerners do we have in the house? In the margin of a Southerner's Bible, it says, all y'all. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, when I was in school, I was one of those nerds that like, I like weird things. Now, I know that I was a nerd and not a geek because geeks make more money than nerds. I took all of the English classes that I could take. And I love weird stuff in English classes. I, I liked conjugation. I liked diagramming sentences. I'm twisted in my mind. Deal with it. And I had a, a French woman who was our English teacher named Miss de Groot. Now, in South Bend, a very strong Catholic community, here is this French woman who spoke with a heavy accent, and she was my English teacher. I think this is English 10 or 11 or something. I, I, I forget what English it was, but it was the, the, the most that you could take there and still be in high school. And I was taking some college preparatory courses then. And she said, now tomorrow... She called herself a spinster. She was about 64 or something like that. We had some more imaginative names for her than that. It might be lawful. It's just not expedient, don't you know? And so somehow the lady took a likening to me, and, and I got some good grades in her class. But she said, now, tomorrow I want you to bring a sentence or two to class that you have diagrammed and you read it to me and I'll go to the blackboard and I'll diagram it. You can correct your own paper. Or she said, you can go to the board and give me your paper and I'll correct your paper while you're at the board. So I brought Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. I'm the only one in my high school that I know of that's got the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name out of 3,000 kids. And I got this dear Catholic woman who talks like a French woman because that's what she is. And she's trying to speak English and I'm having to listen close. So she started out writing on the board. Go ye therefore in all the world. And she started with the verse until she got to the baptizing them. She said, now the you, you baptizing them is understood. The you is understood in the name. And she looked at the word in the name with that phrase. Then I said, of the father. She said that of the father is a prepositional phrase modifying the word name. Of father, the. Of the son. She said, now this is an additional phrase modifying the word name. She said, these are not names. These are just modifiers that tell us what kind of name this is. And so she did that one, of the Holy Ghost. And she said, here we go again. These are not names. These just tell us what, what the name is all about. She said, of the Holy Ghost. And she looked at that. And she looked at me. She said, Martin, what is the name? And I stood up. I said, 
Jesus. She looked at the blackboard. She said, then I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, Friend, if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, oh, God's still got more for you. Don't die till you get your sins washed away in Jesus' name. (laughs) And then don't stop there. My Lord, please don't stop there. The Holy Ghost is just waiting to come all over you. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to act different. You're going to be different. You're going to feel different. Oh, come on. Put your hands together. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Now, what I'm going to preach tonight or attempt to preach tonight is an old sermon I preached years ago, and then I put it up. Didn't preach it for a long time. And over the years... It's very impolite to drink while people are sitting there with nothing to drink. So please close your eyes. Over the years, I've heard that preachers, a couple of preachers have preached something somewhat similar. There's nothing new under the sun. And I haven't even listened to the messages because I don't even want it to mess with how my twisted mind works. And I'm sure if they preach something like this, they probably preached it 10 times better than I can preach it. But y'all just go ahead and let me be myself. Is that all right? Now, I don't have a home anymore, so I can never feel at home unless I just let myself feel at home. So can I just go ahead and be my twisted self here tonight a little bit? If you're a first-time visitor here, I want to apologize ahead of time. Because I literally want to go overboard telling you how wonderful this Holy Ghost is I will probably make a fool out of myself tonight trying to show you what this Holy Ghost will do for you what change it will make in your life we got one coming to the altar right now oh I'm sorry (laughs) false alarm my God I thought we'd start and have revival here. (laughs) And so, you first-time visitors, please accept my apologies. I know I'm going overboard. I know I'm going to be crazy. So, come back next week. You're going to have somebody that still has the right mind preaching next Sunday morning and Sunday night right here. Can I get a witness? Get me a... That's what I'm talking about, bro. I want to preach tonight on this subject. How do you know if you're drunk? Anybody here ever been drunk? Well, don't brag on it, my God. <laughs> Let me tell you one thing, that when you get this Holy Ghost, your whole life is going to change. Can I get a witness? Amen, amen, amen. Oh, Lord, looky here. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to teach a Bible study tonight. Is that all right? Point number one. is the loss of inhibition. When you get drunk, you'll go to a party and you'll stand on the table with a lampshade on your head and you don't care what anybody thinks about you because you're just there to party, party. And you are going to lose all of your inhibitions. 
I worry about folks that claim to have the Holy Ghost and they can sit in their seats just like last year's corn shucks and never make a move and never stick their hands up in the air and never get happy in Jesus. I don't know what kind of Holy Ghost you claim to have, but when you get the Holy Ghost they had in the Bible, somebody's going to think you're drunk. Somebody's going to think... Most every problem you've got, you can solve it if you'll find yourself down at an altar having another drink of this Holy Ghost. If you'll just immerse yourself in the glory and the power of God, it will change your life. It'll change your marriage. It'll put your world back together. But my God, you've got to lose your inhibitions. You don't care what the person sitting next to you thinks. Listen to me. If you're sitting in this house, I wished I had me some kind of dumb hat I could put on my head sideways or something. By the organ. Behind the organ. Jesus. My Lord, we got full. No, I'm going to be, I'm going to sweat tonight. That's going to mess up that. Jesus. When you're drunk, you, you lose all your inhibitions. I oh God, I've just walked into Alice in Wonderland right here. I'll turn out to be the mad hatter for this service is over. Let me tell you, if you're sitting beside somebody in church, and they intimidate you when it comes to worship. You get up and move your sorry hide to sit down beside somebody that's a worshiper. I refuse to be intimidated in the house of God. I'm not going to dry up in my soul just because you don't want to have church. When you make up your mind, I'm not going to let anybody rob me of a blessing. I'm not going to let anybody rob me of the touch of God in my life. I've come here to get what I'm hungry for. Uh-huh. Uh, I tell you what, anybody here ever been hungry? Two people. Jesus, that's a miracle all by its own self. I have low blood sugar. And I was on a moose and bear hunt near the Northwest Territories one time with Brother Dan Minna, Brother Bill Garrett from Joplin, Missouri. 1980 or 81, something like that. And we went 36 hours without anything to eat. A wreck with the boat on the Athabasca uh, River flowing north about 20 miles an hour. Got all my clothes wet. I mean, it's snowing three degrees uh, Celsius, uh, which is just a tad, you know, above freezing, but it's, it's, it's cold. It's snowing. A and then it dropped. I got my clothes all soaked with gasoline, the one I had on. I'm burning up. I have no way to dry myself. I have no way to take away the burn, and I'm hurting. I'm miserable. We lost all of our groceries in the boat wreck, and all we had was three pieces of meat, three porterhouse steaks. My blood sugar has bottomed out. I'm not talking to anybody. I got kind of... I knew I, I was afraid to open my mouth because I, I just, I was afraid of making some unkind comment. I was desperate for food. Couldn't find nothing to shoot. And when we finally made camp about 10 o'clock, we're on tundra the next night. I got my clothes strung out, hanging on bushes and everything. They're frozen, snows on them. I got two green sticks that stuck into this porterhouse steak that we fished out of the river. I'm cooking it. I know it takes about eight minutes to cook a steak to, to medium on an open flame. 
I'm watching my watch. I pull the steak up. I take a bite. And I can taste the river in my steak. It tasted gunky. Y'all know what gunky is? It ain't good. So I swished my steak down in them coals. and just swished it around real good. And I took another bite. And I started eating. I had grease. I went around. I... They took pictures of me. They laid down on the ground and laughed and took pictures. I didn't laugh one time. I'm eating. I'm scarfing up the food. Why? I'm desperate for groceries. And when you'll get that same kind of hunger for God, where you don't care what anybody thinks, they can take pictures of you, they can laugh at you, but you've come to get all that you can get from God... The book said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Oh, somebody put your hand together. Number two, how do you know if you're drunk? Drunks get loud. I just tell you right now, sugar booger. There ain't no such thing as a quiet kind of Holy Ghost. You get every time the Holy Ghost is mentioned in the Bible, noise is associated with it. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire set upon each of them. It's in your Bible. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And begin to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Noise is associated with this Holy Ghost. Did you ever hear a drunk? They can't be quiet. They can whisper louder than you can talk. I've never been drunk in my life. All I know to go by is just what folks look like when they come in my office. Trying to borrow money or something. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hey, you know, they're going to make some noise. I worry about quiet kind of churches. I worry about churches that don't pray. I worry about quiet altars. I worry about quiet worship services where nobody's willing to lift up their voice and sing and magnify God. When you get drunk on this Holy Ghost, it's going to put some noise in you. The book said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet right now and make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Oh, he loves it. He loves it, he loves it, he loves it. My father-in-law pastored up in Michigan for many years. And he called me one Tuesday about supper time. He lived 100 miles from me. He said, son... I just had an evangelist call and cancel, and church starts in three hours. He said, can you come and preach me a revival this week? I said, well, sure. So I had my assistant cover for me. I said, well, Dad, I, I can't be there Sunday. I've been gone last Sunday, and I, I really don't want to be gone two Sundays in a row if I don't have to. So I said, I preach three, for you through Saturday night. And I've got to preaching about them rebuilding the walls the last Saturday night, the rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was working on, you know, getting it all built. And when they got done, the book says God made the men to rejoice with a great noise. And the women heard the men shouting, and they started making a big noise. And then the children looked around, and they started rejoicing because mommy and daddy were. 
And my point was, sir, if you want your son to be a worshiper, then you let him see you how to praise God. You show him how to worship. Mommy, if you want your daughter to be a worshiper, you get out in that aisle or you stick your hands up in the air and you show her how a woman of God praises you. Hallelujah. Am I making sense to anybody? I will tell you young men something. You see this older generation out there? Don't you let them out shout you. Don't you let them out praise you. You've got strength. You've got health. If anybody ought to be the first on their feet, it ought to be the young people. If there ought to be anybody first on their feet praising God, you do what your mother and your father are doing. And even if they're not doing, you go ahead and praise God. It has to start somewhere. Oh, somebody get happy in Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Lord. Y'all can be seated. Hallelujah. So I was preaching. And I got about... Halfway back, there's about 400 people or so there that night. And I got about halfway back and I saw this real old guy. Stand up, Brother Pomeroy. Now, my father-in-law didn't like to fish. But this old guy in the church liked to fish. And my father-in-law had hooked me up with it. We'd gone fishing a time or two over the years. And I stopped and I... Had him stand up and say, hey, bro, how you doing, man? You the man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like that. Down here. No, no. No. You ain't got enough soul in you. I didn't tell you to sit down. And I got this brother out in the aisle. I said, bro, I love you. Hug my neck. Okay, let go. My God. I said, you know what? In 25 years of coming through here, I've never seen you with both hands in the air. I've never seen you shout. And I've never seen you run the aisles. I said, have you ever shouted? He said, no, sir. I said, well, tonight is your lucky night. And he said, I'll give you everything in my pocket if you let me sit down. I took him by the hand. Now, I might be ugly, but I'm not ignorant. I knew he didn't have any money in his pocket. I said, the book says, leap for joy. Now, can you? I didn't tell you to do anything. Stand right there. Don't move. Just act like you do when your wife talks to you. I said, the book said, leap for joy. Stay right there. Don't move. And I started jumping up and down. And that quail head stood there and never moved a tap. I thought, oh, Jesus, what kind of deal have I got myself into? So give me your other hand, bro. The book said, leap for joy. It's not an option. It's a commandment. Keep standing right there. You're doing good. And I started jumping up and down again. And he just kept on standing there. I said, brother. I feel like I've embarrassed you. Would you forgive me? You say, yes, yes, thank you. You flunked acting 101, didn't you? I said, I said, I don't feel that you're real sincere about it. Would you hug my neck, brother? I love you. I bounced. Give him a hand, would you? I bounced him. until he took off shouting on his own. And mama saw him shout, and she got up and she started shouting. And the married kids had never seen mom or dad shout, and the married kids took off shouting. And the church had never seen anybody in that family shout, and they all started shouting, and they shouted for an hour. I got in the car, I drove two hours home, 
And my father-in-law was on the phone talking to my wife. He said, they're still shouting. Three hours. I want to tell somebody in the house, you can be a key to revival. And you can be a key to liberty and victory in the Holy Ghost if you'll just get out of your sorry shell and just go ahead and praise God a little bit. Oh, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. You may be seated. They get loud. Don't tell me you got the Holy Ghost. If you have a hard time witnessing. Because folks that get drunk, they don't have a problem talking. And they'll tell you they're drunk. And when you get drunk on this Holy Ghost... What a, ooh, Lord, what a change it makes. I had a boy, an old boy named Bob Ryanerson went to my church. And when he prayed through, he went home. He had a little farm. And the dog crawled out from underneath the, the farmhouse when he drove up. And the dog come up to the car. And when he stepped out, he started talking in tongues. And that dog took a sniff of him and stuck its tail between its legs and went back under the house. And he testified the next night, he said, even my dog can tell there's a difference about me. With the Holy Ghost you get, your neighbors can tell there's a difference. Your dog can tell you got a change in you. Your mother-in-law is going to know something different about you. Can I get a witness from somebody? Where's my next victim? Come here, Baldy. Y'all got a lot of bald men in this place. Something must be wrong with your water supply down here. Number three, drunks get friendly. I love you, man. You, you and me's buddies, you know that. <laughs> yeah. we, we, we buddies. <laughs> I don't understand these folks that claim to have the Holy Ghost. And they've always got a war going on with their brothers. And they've got a war going on with their sisters. And they're always fighting with somebody about something. This Holy Ghost ought to make you love one another. It ought to bring peace in your borders. Can I get a witness? There was an old, you know, my, one of my problems in traveling around the country is I've been to too many truck stops. Trying to eat and get gas, whatever. I went to one dumb truck stop many years ago and it had this stupid song on by some drunk. And I don't. I I couldn't tell you what's on the top 500 of anybody's charts. I just. I'm sorry. I don't listen to a whole lot of music. I, I'm one of those news freaks, and I just I listen to news. But gospel or or non-gospel, I, I just couldn't tell you. But I remembered this one line to this one song, and it was this: "The girls all look prettier at closing time." And the drunk was trying to say in his lyrics, I would imagine, that the more I drink, the better everybody looks. And you having problems with your mother-in-law? I don't know why my mother-in-law is tonight. You got problems with your husband? You got problems with your mom and dad or the preacher or anybody else? All you need is just another drink. Because the more you drink, the better everybody's going to look. Everybody's going to look better the more you have a drink. Oh, come on. You know I'm just... Give my man a hand here. One thing about drunks. 
They always know where the stash is. I was preaching down in South Florida and a man by the name of Roger Evans 25, 30 years ago. And he had a, a woman in his church. I think she played for the Green Bay Packers or something. And she had a little old wimpy dude for a husband, a little old milk toast of a fella. Didn't look like he could whoop a hamster. He just, he just, I mean, he wasn't precious or nothing, but they just, he just all hunkered over and very meek and quiet. And she just, she was about a head taller than him, weighed about 150 pounds more than him. She just looked like she was in charge. Move your neck back a little forth if you want to on that one. Brother Evans one night said, all right, I want all the men out in the aisle. The book says leap for joy. I want everybody, in the, all the men in the house to leap for joy. And this quail head could not even jump. He stood there and his legs kind of trembled as he tried to get coordinated enough just to jump. And the men are bouncing around him like they're on pogo sticks. And, he, and about the third or fourth time, he bounced up and down again a time or two. And then he took off. He, he jumped, he jumped, he jumped. And then he just took off running and jumping and leaping and twisting and turning. And every night for three weeks, he was the leader of the pack. Oh, hold on. His wife stood up on about the third Sunday night. She said, you know, all these years I've been married to a wonderful husband. He's been a good provider. He's been loving and faithful and tender towards God. And I couldn't ask for a better husband, she said. But he's very, very quiet, turned man, very withdrawn. But she said something happened to him about three weeks ago when he broke through in the Holy Ghost and he started praising God. Said, you can see that my man's a new man at the house of God. She said, I just tell you, he's a new man at the house too. And all I can say now is, man, oh man, what a man my man is. Let me just explain something to these young lovelies over here. You don't find a boyfriend or a husband to be out in the parking lot or standing in the rotunda area. You find one worshiping up here at an altar. You find husband material up here where prayer is going on. Because if he has a hard time saying, I love you to God, he's gonna have a hard time saying, I love you to you. Am I making myself clear? Oh, I don't care how nice a car he has, how pretty his hair is. My wife married me for my hair. She must have it because I don't. Gentlemen, I don't care how cute she is, what color her hair is, if she doesn't worship, if she doesn't pray, and if she doesn't love the standards of the church, you're wasting your time. You don't want to spend your life saying, come on, baby, let's go to church. You want somebody that loves God just as much as you do. How do you know if you're drunk? I'll tell you another way you know. You get big hearted. You're sitting there at the bar. You say, a beer tender, set them up. I, I, I'm buying this on me. It's just everybody cheers. And you don't care. You will spend the, the rent money, the gas money, the car payment, the grocery money. All you can think about is just having some more of this and you want everybody to enjoy it with you. I don't believe you're drunk on the Holy Ghost. If you come to God's house and you're sitting on your wallet and you got a hard time paying your tithes and you have a problem with the 
building fund money. You got a problem with missionary offerings. I'm saying when you get drunk on the Holy Ghost, you get big hearted. All some of us need around here just to have another drink. Look at your neighbor and say, you drunk yet? <laughs> oh, God. I'm trying to. <laughs> Jesus, have mercy. You know what? When you get drunk, you do things accidentally or evidently. You lose control. You don't have any control over how you walk and how you talk and how you act. I believe everything be done decently in order, but there's some people, they just, their flesh has to stay in control. Whatever happened to carrying folks home drunk on the Holy Ghost? Whatever happened to them all night prayer meetings where we just let go and let God have his way. Let's get the sorry starch out of our gizzard and just go ahead and have church like they used to have church. I don't care if it is 2006, God's still God and the Holy Ghost is still the same and it will work like it always used to work. All we need is somebody to get drunk on the Holy Ghost and quit worrying about your stinking pride. Oh, come on, put your hands together. Where's, where's the biggest dude in the house? Where are you at? Stand up if you're not ashamed. Point to him. You, you the biggest one? Here come big bad John. Kind of looks like what God had in mind when he said, let us make man. Come here, bro. Stand on that second step. No, stand on the third one. Yeah. I don't know what number this is, but my point is you get fearless. How you know if you're drunk? You ain't afraid of nobody. Because you know what you got on the inside of you is bigger than what's on the outside. I don't care if you have to look him right square in the belly button. <laughs> you ain't afraid. If he looks all that big, you just have you one more drink. The Bible didn't mean for you to spend your life living in fear. And biting your fingernails and tossing and turning all night long. The book said you ought to be able to say to that mountain, Be ye removed and cast into the sea. I don't care what that doctor's report said. Whose report will ye believe? As for me, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Lord, I feel a shout coming on around here. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind. By God, you've got victory in Jesus. Somebody needs to get it down at this altar and get another drink of the Holy Ghost and go home with faith and go home with victory in your soul. Come on, claim it right now. I believe you can get your healing sitting right there in that seat. I believe you can break through and get what liberty and victory you need and deliverance in your life in Jesus' name right now. How do you know if you're drunk? 
I'll tell you how you know if you're drunk. You can't hurt them. You ever watch a drunk? They're staggering around. Before you know it, they fall down. And they get up and go on. If there is a head-on collision and there's a drunk in one of the cars, everybody's going to die except the drunk. You know why? You can't hurt them. They might hurt you, but you can't hurt them. And if some of y'all would get drunk on the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be so quick to get offended by what some folks say about you. You know what you'd do? You'd just get you another drink. You'd just have you another swallow. You'd just have you a little bit more Holy Ghost. You say, oh, don't pay no attention to them. They don't even know what to talk about. I ain't going to worry about it. Being offended is a choice that you make. And the more you get of this Holy Ghost, the less offended you're going to be about what somebody says. I don't care if your daughter didn't get invited to the birthday party or didn't get to be in the wedding. You choose not to be offended. What you do instead is you come down and have you one more drink. And you go home loving everybody. Anybody know what I'm talking about around here? Uh, you know, if you're drunk, drunks drink their problems away. When they drink, they don't hold out their little pinky finger. They got a chug-a-lug, chug-a-lug thing going on. Can I get a witness? You putting it down. You are there to drink your problems away. You came in with a problem. That's why you're there. And you're going to drink until the problem goes away. I'll tell you right now, everybody here has some kind of need. And everybody here has some kind of prayer request or some kind of problem. Oh, Lord, but I thank God for each and every one of you that's made up your mind. God, I ain't going to leave here tonight till I get a blessing. I'm not going to leave here tonight to till I can touch you. I'm not going to leave here tonight till you touch me. Oh, yes. Make up your mind. God, I got to have a blessing. I got to touch you. I got to have a breakthrough. I have come here tonight to drink my problems away. And I promise you, you're going to go home with deliverance. You're going to go home with joy. You're going to go home with victory. You're going to go home with liberty. You may not know how. You may not know when it's going to happen. But you know my God is able. And you go home feeling good in your soul. How do you know if you're drunk? Because you always want more. My dad and I were driving downtown Chicago. And some old drunk was laying out on the sidewalk. I think I just bought me a hat. I'm not sure. And there's a bunch of other drunks all gathered around this dude. So we're stopped looking at what's going on. And the first drunk hollered out, Back out, get us some room. The second drunk said, Unbutton his collar, letting him get us some air. And the third drunk said, Call 911. And one lady, one woman drunk, she said, Give him a shot of whiskey. The first drunk said, back up and give him some room. Let him breathe. The second drunk said, unbutton his collar and let him breathe. The third drunk said, call 911. And the woman said, give him a shot of whiskey. And the old drunk raised his head up and said, let the woman speak. 
When you're drunk, you're never so drunk you don't want some more. Something wrong with us when we've had too much Holy Ghost or too much church. There ought to be something down on the inside that say, God, I got to have me some more of this. I'm not satisfied with just a little $2 tune-up. I want a major overhaul in the Holy Ghost. My God, I want to move a God like I ain't never had before. When we come out here to have church, why don't we just go ahead and have some church? Let's just don't go through the motions of having church, but let's sing like we never sang before. Let's worship like we never worshiped before. I think I might be making a big mistake being as old as I am drinking this much water late in the evening. That's what I'm talking about. If you understand that, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. David is shouting. Any of you guys on the front row ever shouted? You shouted? Get up. Show me what you can do. I don't know if we're going to do the hucklebuck, the stomp, the twist again like we did last summer, baby. I don't know. I never danced in the world at all. I wouldn't know one dance step from another. All I know is when the Holy Ghost gets on me, I don't know what it's called, but honey, I look like the most uncoordinated thing you've ever seen in your life. There ain't nothing pretty nor graceful about it. Trust me. David was shouting. Come on, give me another little, little jig. Yeah, that's kind of panty waist, but that'll work. I, I'm, give my man a hand. He's doing a great job. I'm just picking at him. And you're not married, are you, son? How old are you? 20. Well, you just barely can spell the word girls by now, I'm sure. But <laughs> David was dancing before the ark, and his wife, Michael. Now, first of all, I got a problem with a woman named Mike. Uh, that's what I'm talking about right there. That's, that's it right there. She had a hissy fit. I think they're orange. I'm not sure what color they are. She got bent out of shape because David was out there double clutching A-flat trailer trucking. He was a picking them up and putting them down. And he stopped and he told Mike, he said, woman, I'm going to be more vile than this. And the word vile means Wild. I preached a sermon and I wear a do-rag on my head. It said, born to be wild. Uh, hey, you know who has a problem with drunks? Sober people. You know who ha has a problem with the worshipers and the shouters? You sober people. If you'd get drunk like they're drunk, you wouldn't have a problem with them anymore. You wouldn't be critical of somebody's worship and somebody's praise. I want to tell you, worship is everybody's business. Don't let the praise singers do all the worshiping for you. You get in there and worship too. You go ahead and praise God too. Because worship is everybody's business. God shut up the womb. Give my man a hand. God shut up the womb of Michael so that she could not have any more children or any children at all. I'm not trying to prophesy. I'm just telling you a Bible fact. The day you start having a problem with worship in this church and you have a wonderful history and heritage of worship, but should the day ever come when you think you're beyond worship, 
God will shut up your spiritual womb so that no more babies will be born at these altars. But if you want babies to keep on being born here, then keep on having church and keep on lifting up the name of Jesus and keep on praising and keep on singing and you watch conviction fall and God fill folks with the Holy Ghost. You know I'm telling you what's the truth. You know how you know if you're drunk? You're not a clock watcher. You go to the bar, 8 o'clock. Nine o'clock. Ten o'clock. Eleven o'clock. Twelve o'clock. One o'clock. What time do the bars close around here? How do you know? The bartender will have to come and say, Hey guys, closing time, five minutes. Last call. I've never been in a sitting at a bar. I don't know how they do. I'm just going by what I've heard and read just like some of you. (laughs) (laughs) My daddy told me, he said, son, if you knew how bad you look when you did stuff like that, you wouldn't do that no more. The bartender has to run them off. Why? Because they don't care what time it is. They're there to get what they've come for. Why is it at church? Oh, Lord, I hope he doesn't preach. Lord, Blockbuster's going to close in an hour. Lord, I sure do love Lucy. Lucy's going to be off by the time I get to the house. Listen to me. Whatever happened to the days when church was the main focus of our life? When nothing else mattered any more than God's house? Oh, God, let it be one more time. Let us get absolutely intoxicated with this Holy Ghost experience where nothing matters but Him. Oh, come on, you know I'm telling you the truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. When you're drunk, I'm going to quit. Everybody else knows you're drunk. When you're drunk, you do get a hangover. Well, let me tell you. Do you know that drinking don't cause hangovers? You know what causes hangovers? Waking up. Think about it. You don't have a hangover till you wake up. You don't have that headache, that pain till you wake up. You're feeling good as long as you sleep. Some of us wake up to carnal things or whatever to our flesh, and that's when the problem starts. What I'm saying by hangover, you're going to feel the effects of this Monday, Tuesday, come back Wednesday or whenever your midweek service is and you have you some more drink and you're going to feel it Thursday, you're going to feel it Friday, you're going to feel it Saturday, you come back Sunday, you get you some more and you feel it again Monday, you feel it again Tuesday, you come back Wednesday to have you some more. My Lord, we just ought to stay drunk on the Holy Ghost. Why don't you just go ahead and stand with me right now. I'm going to finish up here pretty quick. I want our musicians to get ready to come to the, to the uh, piano and the organ or wherever they're supposed to come to. All I want you to know is that you can have this Holy Ghost.
You might be going to a church that may be a wonderful church, and we're not here to talk ugly about your church. But all we're trying to say is don't stop until you've got all that God has for you. If the Holy Ghost they said you got, don't make you get intoxicated, and don't make you just get thrilled with this wonderful experience, then I'm saying you need to keep on seeking until you got all that God has for you. When you get the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives utterance. You will feel different. You will walk different. You will talk different. You will be different. Anybody want the Holy Ghost, you can have it. I feel like doing a little shouting around the altar here tonight. I feel like doing a little praise and worship around the front. I feel like I could dance, dance, dance all night. Oh, Lord, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our affection. Somebody ought to get drunk on the Holy Ghost here tonight. Don't drink alone. Bring somebody with you. Don't drink alone. Have, help somebody else find it. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Let's lift up His name and magnify Him. He's worthy of all of our praise. What He's done for me when I think of His goodness and how He set me free, I want to dance. Shout, shout, shout. 